Uh, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 5, and also I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I, I just want to share today a few minutes about, we talked a few weeks ago, it's been a while since I've actually preached a message, but we've had guests, but I, I talked about back in the 60s and 70s, and some of us were alive. Some of us can relate back to the 60s and 70s, the, the Jesus people revolution. And, and many of us came in, I kind of came in at the tail end of that. Many of us came into the kingdom as a result of that. Some of us were hippies into drugs, and, and then the Lord got a hold of us. And, and um, many of those folks are now leaders in the church and also in the messianic movement today. But I want to talk about the characteristics of the new Yeshua people. I don't want to use the term Yeshua because I love the name Yeshua. I want to talk about the characteristics of the new Yeshua people. See, we're new creations when we come into a relationship, a covenant relationship with the Lord. And so when if we're new creations, we need to speak, behave, think, and respond differently than we did before and differently than the world around us. We need to be that light on a shining, that light on a hill. You see, let me read Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how shall it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand so it can give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God has called us to be salt and light. We are called to season and preserve. That's what salt does. It seasons, it gives flavor, but it also preserves. Back in the day, meats had to be seasoned with salt in order to keep it. It had to stay a long time. There was no refrigeration. Season and preserve. And we are called to be lights, enlighten. The spirit of Yeshua is inside of us. He dwells inside of us. God dwells in the temple that he builds. And we're to exude that light to a world that is really dark and getting darker. Amen? All the time it's getting darker. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and another builds on it. But let each consider carefully how he builds on it, for no one can lay any other foundation than what is already laid, which is Yeshua the Messiah. 
Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed by fire and the fire itself will test each one's work. Anybody feel like there's been a fire going and, and he's testing some of the things that you, in your own life? Will test each one's work, what sort it is. If anyone's work is built on the foundation, survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but as through fire. Don't you know that you are God's temple and that the Ruach Elohim dwells among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. That's good news. Amen? Amen. And God dwells in the temple that he builds. The revival fires, and we pray for revival. And what does revival do? But it, 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 the, the fires from God, they, they burn, up, burn up anything that's flammable. flammable. And seasons, seasons of revival, and I believe we're in a season of revival now, that it's getting rid of all other foundations other than Yeshua. And so that we've entered into, see, when, we, when that fire comes and burns up everything, it, it's to bring us into that eternal covenant with the Father and the Son, because we are in that covenant with the Father and the Son. And so we need to allow these things to be burned up if they're not burned, if they're not on the foundation of Yeshua. If it's not from the kingdom, I don't want it. And see, that revival, I don't want to stop at revival. Revival is visitation. I want a revolution. I want a spiritual revolution. That builds eternal spiritual materials. That's where the righteousness of Yeshua is manifested in our attitudes, in our mindsets. Our hope, we have increased faith. See, that's the works that will last, the eternal works that will last. You see, I believe that the revival fires that were burned in the 60s and, and they're being revived now, it's, it's, a, it's burning up religious structures. We don't need any more religion. The world has enough religion. He wants us to be in families. He wants us to be a culture of discipleship, an environment of humility, teachability, mutual submission one to another, a safe place. And see, that's, I believe, part of the revolution that God wants us to be. How many have been in churches before or who have talked to people that you know, friends, family, they don't want to go to church anymore. They don't want to go to congregation anymore because it's not safe. They don't feel safe because of things that have happened. I want Or Chaim. The father wants his kehilah, his ecclesia, to be a safe place where forgiveness and love and grace are extended to one another. Not just where we do religious things, we do religious obligations, we fulfill a requirement, we check the boxes. I'm so done with that. God is so done with that. He wants hearts that are sold out on fire for him, built on the foundation of Yeshua and nothing else. And of course, the foundation of Yeshua, 
And we read about it in the Torah, and we read about it in the prophets. He was from the beginning. See, a revolution, a spiritual revolution, restores communities to be healthy families that produce healthy children. We prayed this morning for our families. And we've done the best we can as parents and grandparents, but you know what? We weren't perfect. But God wants to reparent us. He wants to reparent all of us so that we can produce through discipleship a healthy family. So when people come in here, see, I look at our times, our services are not just a time to come together, our corporate times, but we disciple one another. See, I can disciple you through my teaching on Shabbat, but we disciple one another by the words that we speak. Are we speaking psalms and hymns? Are we speaking words of blessing to one another? See, that's all part of discipleship. How many people, you've had a tough week. You've had a hard week. You don't want to be put down. You don't want to be slammed. You don't want to be cursed. We had that teaching on, on Baalam this morning. We want to be built up and encouraged. And that's what the body is for, to bring that healthy body. So what do these new Yeshua people that I want to talk on for the next few minutes look like? They look like him. See, we know that. We've heard that. We've read that. It looked like him. But let's look at some scriptures. Let's break it down. What does that look like? What does Yeshua in me, the hope of glory, look like to the world around us, the dark world around us? In Psalm 25, verse 12, we hear the heart of David. Starting in verse 12, it says, Who is the man who fears Adonai? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul abides in goodness, and his offspring will inherit the land. The secret of Adonai is for those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So we see that this, this person who looks like him, their soul res abides. There's that word abides in goodness. We fear the Lord, not a fear of, oh, don't come near me, but a fear of reverence, a fear of, I don't want to do anything that would displease my heavenly Father. Amen. And then he says he makes his covenant known to them. See, covenant is almost the opposite of religion. See, God wants us to know that when we get born again, we get saved. We come into a relationship with the king. We enter into a covenant, an eternal covenant, that was even before the foundations of the world. It's a covenant between the father and his son, Yeshua. We enter into that covenant. It's not something that can be taken lightly. And unfortunately, we live in a culture today where we don't really understand covenant. We barely even understand contracts. We sign papers saying we agree to this, we agree to that, we agree to that. Then we go ahead and break it. Why not? No consequences. We enter into marriage covenants. And then after a while, you know, I just don't feel love anymore, so we get out of it. And there's no fault divorce or whatever. That is not an understanding of covenant. You see, when we come into the kingdom, when we come into, when we become a child of God, we enter into an eternal covenant. It's about life. It's about death. We enter into this covenant 
between the Father and the Son, and this covenant implies, I love what Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Messiah, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Messiah lives in me, and the life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You see, it's Paul understood covenant. He died out of his old life. You see, the new Yeshua people, the people, they know that they are dead to the old way of living. You died out of that. You may reflect upon that. You might look at photographs about what you looked like back then. I just saw a picture from me when I was in the Navy in 1970. I said, that's me? See, but that's not really me anymore. I died out of that life. And see, we're into a new life. And see, discipleship is all about how do we learn to live this new life. See, the new Yeshua people, they, they, they recognize that God is building his ecclesia, his kehilah, his way, not according to how I think it should be. There's been enough of that. I was listening to a teaching on covenant by Derek Prince, and I really recommend that you... Some of these old guys that, are, that have passed a long time ago, they've got some incredible teachings. We need that kind of teaching in our midst today. But he was saying that we need to live our lives as, and this is a quote, like dead men on furlough. Do you get it? We are dead, but we're living. And the life that I live, I'm not going to live the way I used to live or the way other people around me live. I'm going to live the way he wants me to live. Everything we do or build has him as our foundation. That's why the fires of revival burn up anything that is not from him. And we say, Lord, let those fires come on us. Revival is a visitation. I love visitation. I, lo I love when the Lord visits us. But revolution, a spiritual revolution, is when he abides in us. And we know he's abiding. There's a difference between visitation and abiding. Psalm 84, verse 2. How lovely are your tabernacles, your dwelling places, Adonai Tsevaot. This is the heart of the psalmist. Oh, God. Those temp that dwelling place is lovely, Lord. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of Adonai. Do our souls, do, our, do we faint, do we long for the courts of the Lord? My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. See, that's what it's like to abide. David understood that abiding. And I love what... Yeshua says in John chapter 15, and these, these are my life verses. I remember struggling with some things, and the Lord came into my hotel room where I was staying in Yakima, Washington, and he led me to this scripture. I'd never read it before, and these are the words that he said, every branch in me that does, in John chapter 15, starting in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he trims so that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. See, I was born again. I was saved, but I was struggling with some things. And the Lord came in a loving way, and he says, I'm taking some branches away. I'm removing, I'm trimming, I'm pruning. You ever, I'm not an agriculturist, I'm not a horticulturist, but I've seen when trees are, 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 are being um, um, trimmed, you know, and they look kind of ugly. 
you know, you remove those branches, and it's like, man, what happened? But then they, oh, man, it's great. They had to be. The old stuff had to be removed. See, you're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He says, abide in me. And this is, I love these words. He says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. The branch cannot bear itself, cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides on the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. How many of you want to bear fruit? Abide in him. Abide in him. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. How many of us want to bear much fruit? So what is his dwelling? I'm asking a question. What is his dwelling place? I heard one answer right here. You guys are so, don't be afraid. Nobody's going to, there's no wrong answers. Yes, it's here. What kind of fruit are you producing? This is a question all of us need to ask. What kind of fruit am I producing? And then go a step further. Am I willing to let God trim the dead branches from me? I'm willing to let God trim those dead branches. Mindsets, attitudes, behaviors, sins that are just, that are there. God, don't give up asking God to trim those branches. Don't be satisfied with, well, just the way I am. This is just the way I am. Don't be satisfied with that. You see, revival cleans the temple of corruption. And this is the temple. I want him to get rid of all the corruption in my life so I can be pure. He is wanting a bride that is pure and spotless. Because he loves his temple. And you are his temple. Revival cleans our temple of corruption. Abiding in him is a lifestyle of fruitfulness. Just sharing with a brother today, Lee, talking about just having a conversation with a friend who's going through a hard time, just encouraging. You see, he is the one in us that encourages others. And the world right now needs people Yeshua people who are going to encourage those who are really, really struggling, who are challenged. That's what we're here to do. You see, a person who abides understands that when adversity comes or persecution or challenges come, instead of saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? I've never done that. Anybody ever done that? Blame God for the things that are going on in your life? Come on, you're all... Yeah... But I'm learning something. I've known it here for a long time, but I'm actually beginning to learn it now. Whenever the, you're going through a time of challenge, adversity, persecution, ask the Lord this. Lord, what are you teaching me about you? What are you teaching me about me? What are you teaching? Instead of blaming the person or the circumstance out there and focusing on that, what that becomes is worship. When we begin to focus on the thing or the person that hurts us, that's worship, basically. Instead of, and say, God, what are you showing me about yourself 
in the midst of this? What are you teaching me? And Lord, what are the dead branches, sins, mindsets, behaviors, language that you are wanting to burn up? So some specifics, characteristics of Yeshua people. They are whole people. There are people who walk in shalom, peace. There are people who have a depth of maturity. There are people that you seek out when you're going through a hard time. They know God intimately, and they pursue after him intimate intimacy. They're unmovable, peaceful, powerful, at rest. Are we submitting ourselves to the lordship of Yeshua? Or are we interpreting things that happen to us by our own understanding and by our circumstances? Are we interpreting the word of God by our own circumstances? Many of us do. Instead of submitting ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, what are you teaching me in the midst of this? I love what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter in Isaiah 32, verse 17, he says, the result of righteousness will be shalom. Yeshua is our righteousness. The result of abiding in him will be shalom. And the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Lord, I just pray quietness, confidence, shalom over everyone here today. My people, he goes on to say, my people will live in peaceful in a peaceful place, in secure dwellings, quiet resting places. Is that what we want? Do we want to be striving all the time? And yet when we, when we really go after who is living inside of us and we really abide in him, it can be a place of shalom and peace in the midst of a world that is going to hell a world that is falling apart, a world that is dark. Past wounds now become scars. I can show you scars from, my, from when I was going through all my stuff back years ago. I got scars all over my body, but they don't hurt me. And I look at them and say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. See, that's what scars are to do, is to remind us of what he did in our lives. Past wounds are now scars. Old rejections now become his love, his love for enemies. How many of us find it hard to love our enemies or those who are, have, let me just throw this out, who might have a different political persuasion than you? <laughs> you see, I know I'm right in my political understanding. But can I love those? And it's not easy. You start with praying and blessing. You start with praying and blessing. And you pray for their salvation. And then you pray that they'll agree with you and what you believe. No, that may never happen. That may never happen. But you know what I'm reminded of? Auntie Corey. Corey Ten Boom. You all know the story of Corrie Ten Boom. She was, her and her sister and her father were prisoners in Ravensbrück 
concentration camp. Matter of fact, she was the only one that survived, or did her father survive? I don't remember, but I know her sister, Betsy, died in, in the camp. And, um, but their faith, her faith got her through that terrible, terrible time, torturing time. Just the haunting of that. And she was going around Germany in 1947 and she was sharing about the love of God and she was sharing specifically about forgiveness. This is right after World War II. This is right after the war in Germany. And what a message to be preaching forgiveness during that time. And she's preaching and she noticed a man in the audience. She recognized him. He was a Nazi SS guard in Ravensbrück concentration camp who taunted her and treated her horribly and her family horribly while he was the guard in the camp's concentration camp. And she's talking about the love of God and forgiveness. After the service, this man came up to her and said, I've become a believer in Jesus, in Yeshua. Would you forgive me for what I did to you and your family and so many other people? And she said it was a turning point in her life because she knew this person. And it was like it took forever for her to put out her hand and finally to embrace this man who was once her tormentor and abuser. But she knew that this was a turning point in her life. She needed to forgive that guard, and she did. Auntie Corey blessed so many people, and I think that was a, that was a testing stone for her, testing ground for her. What are you going to do when it's face-to-face -face with that person who's been your abuser? You see, she was a powerful, peaceful woman. She understood meekness, the meekness of the Lord. And in, in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is, is, is the polar opposite of the spirit that is in the world today. Meekness is quiet, gentle, power under control, submitted. That's what a meek person is. That's who God is calling us to be in these days. We are complete in Messiah, Colossians 1.28. So I want to bring things to a close here. The clock says I have one minute. I beg your pardon for a few extra minutes, okay? You at Orchayim, you already know this. It doesn't matter. Clocks don't mean nothing. We are planted people. God has called his Yeshua people to be planted people. What do I mean by that? Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says, We're called to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Doesn't say you're always going to have just wonderful, happy experiences. But you're planted like oaks of righteousness. And you will bless other people if you are planted. God says grow and bloom where he plants you. And see, that's why I take 
being part of a congregation, I take it very seriously. It's very important to me. If God calls you to be part of a congregation, he's called you to be planted in that congregation, to be part of that congregation. That's part of being planted, taking relational conflict. And, and, and I know that when people get to know each other, they have conflicts every once in a while. Yeah? You agree? Yeah, they kind of do. Use that as an opportunity to be more like Yeshua. Philippians chapter 2. Let me read some verses. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Messiah, if there is any comfort of love, if there is any fellowship of the Ruach, the Spirit, if there is any mercy and compassion, then make my joy complete by being this, of the same mind, having the same love, united in spirit with one purpose. I love what he says here. Do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but with humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Looking out not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Messiah Yeshua. And then over to verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do some things without grumbling or arguing. No, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you might be blameless and innocent children of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And we are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. They don't even know right from wrong. They don't know up from down. They don't know truth from, from deception. We're living in the midst of that. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that I may boast in the day of Messiah that I did not run or labor in vain. Things that cause church splits today, the color of the carpet, the volume of the worship, the things, these are the things that cause church splits today. They would bring the body, the, the church of Acts together back in the day when there was issues. They would come together. Today, it's, we, 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 we split too much Torah, not enough Torah. I hear that in the Messianic movement all the time. They don't preach enough Torah. They don't teach enough from Torah. They too too much Torah. The worship is too whatever. Christian, it's too Messianic. Too loud, not loud enough. Too charismatic, too liturgical, too long, too programmed, whatever. I'm not going there anymore. Amen. You stay planted where God puts you. If God says, hey, I'm moving you on, then you move on. But you do it in a way that is, he receives glory and honor. You see, back in the day, the Church of Acts, they understood, they served and deferred rather than demand. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And these are all characteristics of Yeshua people. Therefore, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. With complete humility and gentleness, with patience, 
putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Ruach in the bond of shalom. This is, this, this, this is, this is how we're to be different than everybody else. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, tender-hearted, humble-minded. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. It is for this reason you were called, so that you might inherit a blessing. The next chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep your love for one another constant. For love covers a multitude of sin. Everybody say that together. Love covers a multitude of sins. Because somebody sins against you, it is not reason enough to stop loving that person, to praying for that person, to blessing that person. Amen? Would you stand with me as we close things? I, as the rabbi, pastor, shepherd, whatever you want to call I want to make a commitment to Orkayim to create a community that has these characteristics of whole people. Matter of fact, if you would turn to Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read these words starting in verse 12. You just close your eyes and receive these words. I'm going to read these words. I'm going to make this commitment to you, and I want you to make this commitment to one another. Whether this is your home fellowship or not, I know there's some visitors here today. But wherever God has called you, wherever God has planted you, Colossians 3, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself in tender compassion. Father, I pray that you would clothe my brothers and sisters in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Yes, patience. Father, that they would bear, that we would bear with one another and forgive each other. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. Lord, thank you for your incredible grace and mercy. You forgave me. I have no right to say I can't forgive you. So just as you pardon me, Lord, we pardon others. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Let the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts. To this shalom you were surely called in one body. Also be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speak 
good things. Speak scripture. Speak prophetically. Encouragement over one another. Singing with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the community that we want to be. This is the community that I want to shepherd, to be a pastor, to rabbi, to be a rabbi of. Let's hold each other accountable to this standard. It's a New Testament standard. This is how, this is how we walk out Torah, by the way. This is how we walk out Torah, by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh living in us. Our model is Yeshua himself. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience are our virtues. They can only be developed when we're in close proximity to one another also. As brothers and sisters to one another. And guess what? These will be tested in each of us. And this is going to be birthed and developed within an atmosphere of worship and thankfulness where we bless one another and encourage and build up, not tear down. Amen? Father, we just thank you for your word. It's true. Lord, thank you for the things that we are all, each of us, going through these days. The fires that are burning up things that need to be burned up, branches that need to be burned. But Lord, we say, have your way in us, Lord. Purify us. Make us the people of God that you've called us to be. In Yeshua's name, amen.